Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. OKS Hunter. <laughs> this is the OKS Hunter podcast. Never pass on shooter bucks, if that's just me in the freezer. It's your tag, you hunt how you want. This is OKS Hunter. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the OKest Hunter podcast. We're in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, in our OKest Hunter podcast studio. And boy, oh boy, are things okay. That is for sure. I feel like we've had an audio snafu every time. I think it's every time I'm here. Yeah, maybe the cracks like the bad omen. Yeah, I just uh, <laughs> drop a little bug right out of my sleeve. And then, and then it just crawls into the tech and or jacks just everything up. Totally uh, not great. So... Anyway, this is again the OK Center podcast. So of course here we are just shaking the dust off here. Mm-hmm. We're brought to you by Spartan Forge. Somehow, some way. Somehow, some way. I was just texting Bill today. That all rhymed. I'm not a rapper, I promise, <laughs> or a poet, for that matter. But yeah, they have. Uh, if you're not familiar, we talk about it every episode. But I guess for starters, you can go to SpartanForge.ai, and if you feel like you're gonna you know subscribe certainly use code ohp for 25 percent off i know they work with a lot of influencers and a lot of really well-known deer hunters they're gonna be live tonight actually on their own instagram page yeah. after us with uh, andy may bo martonic and uh derek prawl derek prawl garrett prawl thank you my god i was thinking about derek who's not here you got um, this yep and they're gonna be going into how to use the app and all this stuff which if you really want to learn about it those are the guys you're gonna want to learn about it from and it's kind of from the horse's mouth from that perspective, honestly. So, but UAV imagery, satellite imagery, historical imagery of you can go back in time, so to speak, on the app. Mm-hmm. There's a journaling feature. They have all sorts of pins, like I don't know the ability to post tons a of picture icons. to the pin. Yeah, it's all there. It's great. And then obviously, you know, I always feel like we forget to then mention it's a, an app that's centralized around or the, it's built upon the foundation of deer movement predictability. Right. Yep. So, yeah, it does a lot of things all the other apps do, but no other app does that and does that as well as they do. So, anyway. Um, and then shout out to our other sponsors, uh, Vector Custom Shop. I was talking to Isaac today also. Make my rounds, I guess. Um, they just got featured in uh, the Gear Gear Junkie, mm-hmm. which was really cool uh, for them. So they're being talked about as disruptors in the aerospace Aerospace, that's not right. Meth. The arrow, hunting arrow world, if yep. you will. The so, industry. Yeah, it's really exciting. And it's not so much like the the way the arrows are, That even though that's part of it. It's kind of like how they're going to market with it, where you can get these things on demand, built to specs, all that good stuff. That's got to be Derek. So, I'm here in spirit and comments, beer in hand. Good. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Ty. 
Thanks, guy. It comes through Facebook users, so you must be in the Shooter Buck Club watching, is my guess. Nice. We're almost done with our sponsorships, and then we'll, we'll get into it. I'm sorry. What else we got? Latitude Outdoors. Okay. So 20% off on accessories, although I believe right now it's actually 25% off accessories and the classic, the Latitude Classic. Mm -hmm. So again, single panel. Yep. OHP for, for the discount code. Same thing for Vector Custom Shop. OHP gets you 10% off. Um, Go Wild gets you 10% off. OHP. Go Wild's the outdoor platform, social platform for us outdoorsmen, women, hunters, fishers, anglers. I think fish and anglers are like the same thing. Mm -hmm. Meh. Can buy, yeah, that's probably true. They're not, yeah, there's but some that just aren't, aren't usually, into the other, yeah, yeah. But there's, I mean, gosh, they're the gear they're adding to their store, they're adding more and more and more, yeah. Maybe some of our stuff will show up there soon, you know. Interesting. We'll see how that goes. Um, we really like those guys or that that run the the business. Uh, I really appreciate and enjoy the app. Uh, a lot of positivity there. I've gotten zero negative comments ever on their app, that's good. Um, so that doesn't that that's saying not much when you compare it to the. The trash pan of that other social seems to be. Um, and I'm drinking not drop time spirits. I got the bottle here. So if I run on the other stuff, I'll probably pour up some drop time. There you go. I know Spartan Forge just put an ad in Field Ethos. I saw that. Drop time spirits owner is also part owner of Field Ethos. And so you'll see drop time spirit ads in there as well, because of course you would. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's what I got for sponsorship stuff, housekeeping things. Um, Foam Fest is right around the corner, a little over a month away. Uh, I'll let the cat out of the bag here. Our location is probably going to change for that. Um, the Hubbleton Brewery, you can go look it up on Google and Google their name. You're going to see a bunch of stuff in the news about them uh, with the township. So it's nothing that they're doing wrong. They're growing, thriving, flourishing business. And there's probably some old curmudgeon somewhere in town that's pissed about it. Yeah. And uh, that person or persons took it to town hall. And now they are writing up, the, the lawyers are going to work writing up a bunch of rules. And uh, events are on the chopping block. And because we're an event, we're, you know. We're first in line to go bye-bye. Yeah, I think so. It, it was meant to be a very unique event. And uh, we're still going to do the event. We're just trying to find a new home for it right now, yep. which, you know, it's in the works. So we'll we're be able to update that uh, on the e event page. So all that's going to change is where we're going for it. And it's going to be within an hour of where we're at. Yeah, it's not going to change in some factor of like we're not going to make someone drive five hours to get to an archery range or something like that. So uh, we just got to wait for a couple of folks to get back to us for board member stuff, and and uh, hopefully we'll land on that pretty soon. And by this time next week, we might have some more news to share on that. But we are giving away a lot of stuff on that. Um, we're going to give away some stuff from Latitude, from Vector, from Spartan Forge, um, from Bear Archery. I'm missing some things. Half Rack, uh, our stuff. I'm looking around the room because it's like all the partners yeah, we were around with. here somewhere. Like, uh, probably some bush beers. No, I don't know. All sorts of stuff. Uh, so yeah, stay tuned with that. Go ahead and register if you'd like. There's going to be food and, and beer. And uh, I we're actually going to hopefully be able to even demonstrate some of the saddles from Latitude. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about it. And uh, I'm probably not letting on as to how stressed I'm about the, inf but the you know, purgatory or up in the air yeah, the right now but i'm not um, real crazy about it either but it's just the way it goes we'll figure something out yeah if we don't we'll take care of people as oh yeah if did. we end up not doing it for anyone that's already paid you're just gonna get a refund so like it won't be the end of the world but we really want to see everybody and do this thing so we're excited about it uh short of that i think that's all the news i have for now you were on vacation how yeah. did that go it was great too short as always all i can say is if you've never been to a national park you need to go um, doesn't matter which one, they all are unique 
and have a lot of cool things to see. And I'll just leave it at that. Did you get out and like walk around or did you just drive? We, through? Because my mother-in-law is not great in health. Um, she's limited in as to how far she can walk and go. We did not go very far from the car. So I did not go out and do some, do any, any walking or hiking long distance. So it's a scouting. It was a scouting trip for the next time. Okay. We're hey, going that's back. Great. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, what was your favorite park? Um, we went to three different parks. We always hit, uh, the Badlands in South Dakota on our way through because it's, we're going right past it. So we see a little bit of that. And then we were in Yellowstone and Grand Teton and both of them were, were pretty awesome. Cool. So yeah. not a favorite. They're all your favorite. They all have really really neat things to see i don't i don't think i have a favorite right now i mean if i were to say my favorite that i've been to so far probably would be glacier just because it's such a grand grand destination cool yeah i have yet to see any to any of those places so yeah glacier glacier is really grown in popularity it's getting tougher and tougher to get into it and, and see things yeah hmm. it's very hard to find a place to park and get off and go the forest hike. fires weren't an issue or well, the, the snow is an issue right now. I mean, they just got going to the Sun Road cleaned off, and it's open. But you you now have to get um, get like a reservation to go in. Mm. So you have to make reservations to get on to going to the Sun Road. Okay. Well, there you have it, folks. Interesting. Straight from the horse's ass. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Well, we do have a guest with us. Uh, want to? What do we got today? Yeah, Megan Pleat. Am I saying I didn't even ask? So I'm probably gonna go postal. Is that right? <laughs> yes, that's right. Rock on! I did it right. That's a first. That's pretty rare <laughs> for for me over here. Mm-hmm. I haven't botched a last name in a while. Actually, I give my I gotta give myself more credit. <laughs> right. For sure. <laughs> Craig's just like yeah, whatever, Eric. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> Megan, welcome to the show. Uh, we you know set the bar pretty low here, you. so you don't have to over. Uh, wellness with anything too crazy, but we're really happy to have you on. Um, for those that don't know, uh, we started talking with a number of outdoor writers, Megan included, and uh, we're happy to say that you have your first article for OKS Hunter up on our website. And then shortly after that, you like put together an article for Wide Open Spaces about OKS Hunter. Like, who are you? This is crazy. Um, thank you so much. You know. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Thank you guys for the opportunity. I'm so excited to be here today and I'm super excited to contribute to the blog. I love what you guys are doing. Your mission totally resonates with me. So um, thank you guys for like making that stuff in the outdoor industry and making a space for people because I think it's really needed and I think it's really welcome. Yeah. Heck yeah. We're just having fun over here, honestly. And um, we really people are <laughs> trying to put out our fun or like, Hey, that's not very nice, you know? Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself um where you're from and uh some of your background around hunting and i'd love to hear how you kind of got into writing for the outdoors i don't think it's <laughs> don't make it sound too easy because i know a lot of people that want to do that with their careers and um i'm really curious to see kind of what you have to say about it yeah so um i am from new york state so i'm really close to the Adirondack Mountains. I'm like right on the blue line, which is the base of the Adirondack Mountains. It's a beautiful, beautiful place. Um, And I was really lucky because I grew up kind of in an outdoorsy family. My dad 
Um, I'm his firstborn, so naturally it didn't matter whether I was a little girl or a little boy, he was going to take me with him on his outdoor adventures, and he did, and I just grew up in the shadows of him hunting and then fishing, and we went camping a lot, and it was just something that I naturally fell into. I loved it growing up, and I started hunting when I was a teenager. I took a couple years off as a I went to college and had some other stuff going on as a grown-up and then kind of came back to it as almost an adult onset hunter and really got into it the second time around. And since I started hunting again, I've been kind of trying things that are beyond like my upbringing, just new things, interesting things that I found interesting personally. And um, so I do, I do um, hunting, deer hunting, uh, we do rabbit hunting, fishing, um, all kinds of outdoorsy things and really, really love it. And the writing stuff kind of came, and I, I don't want to say it's easy because it's certainly not, like you said, but I never planned to become an outdoor writer. I had gone to college for journalism and I started in local news. I, by trade, I'm a journalist and I started as a newspaper reporter and how it happened that the outdoor stuff came about is I started doing, I, my interest was the outdoors outside of work. So I started doing a column for my local newspaper called Central New York Outdoors. And through that column, I had all these opportunities to talk to people local to me that were doing really, really cool stuff, either like fish and gun clubs or my local wildlife enforcement agency, things like that. And I started writing about these things. And as I'm putting out this writing, it was just gaining traction. And then I started talking to national outlets and outlets that were more in the industry. And we just came together and it worked out for me. And I kind of shifted more so into outdoor writing primarily rather than the outdoor um, or the local news rather that I started out in. And it's, it's just taken off for me. That's really cool. Journalism is such a, to me at least, a fascinating field because it's so versatile. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so we were talking about Go Wild a minute ago and their logo's on the screen for those that are watching. And uh, Brad Trell, the, the founder or one of the co-founders of Go Wild, he was a journal, journalist major and he went to school for journalism. And uh, a good friend of mine went to school for journalism and worked for a news station for, for a very long time. And he was like a content producing machine. And uh, so it's really interesting, <laughs> like the investigative kind of approach that you have towards things, the way they're able to articulate the written word is something that I am not good at at all. I have no confidence in like what I'm writing. If it has any bearing of like being correct. Now I also don't care. So I'm sure I get judged all the time. Like this is not a good (laughs) sentence. I'm like, well, I wouldn't know the difference. So like, cool. (laughs) So it's very, very interesting. Your your ability to, to, I think once you're a journalist, you're always a journalist. You have that framework in your mind and it just, It'll follow you even if you switch industries completely or no matter what kind of communications role you have, you're always a journalist in the back of your mind. Yeah, I think that's probably true. So in, in the context <laughs> of, I'll try to switch screens here. I'm, I'm pretty bad at that. I should have like a, an intern doing that, but uh, I guess I'm the intern. Uh, <laughs> but you have to be doing a number of things in the outdoors. You have to have a really good grasp and understanding of the outdoors and hunting and cooking and fishing and and to, you have to be a practitioner to be able to write about it in a way that speaks to the outdoor audience. There's some folks that'll try to do it and it's like off the mark. You can tell that they don't have context. And so there's people that will write about the outdoors and 
don't they just don't live that life and it, it can really have mm-hmm. a, a really like a, a turning off effect if you're reading it that way if it, because you have background in the outdoors you grew up that way and now you're doing things as an adult onset hunter and so forth it really does shine through that like you can navigate it really well do you think that's fully is that, i'm assuming it's recommended but is that mandatory as an outdoor writer like if you're going to go work for you know, a publication or go freelance, you know, what are some of the routes a writer can take and what does that look like for them? Well, I think, I don't know if mandatory is the right word, but I think that if you do not live this lifestyle, that it would be really, really hard to write about it or to do any kind of real communication role based in the industry. And I think passion for the lifestyle goes a really long way because when you're passionate about something, you want to learn more about it. You want to be better and you want to, it's not just a job, like it's, it's beyond that. So it's kind of, it's all consuming. So I think, you know, just, just having like the background, having the passion, it just, it kind of like fulfills the role. It goes the whole way through. I know like you're in marketing and you're also outdoorsy and that shows as well. Like, I think when you have the background and you want to, stick in this industry there's tons of different ways you can make that happen you could be an outdoor writer like me or you could go into marketing or you can go into like public relations or there's there's so many different paths and I know I'm an outdoor writer now but if I happen to want to do something else in this industry I would feel confident that this base could take me there so there's so much if someone's interested in getting into the outdoor industry they shouldn't block themselves off to oh i want to be an outdoor writer because there's a lot of opportunity here yeah and as far as barrier of entry like how your path is your own path of course but you know writing your first article and submitting it to someone or how do you how do you get those inroads do you have connections with some people at different publications like are you sending it directly to a publication or do you have a body of work that you're saying, here's my resume, so to speak, or, you know, I'm asking like 10 questions, but I'm just trying to think about if someone's looking to go down this path, you know, how do they, how do they get there? Where do they start? Is it, is it recommended to become a freelancer or do you just go for working for a publication out of the gate? You know, I'm just generally curious what the trajectory is. Do you become like a, is it called an editor in chief or chief editor? I don't know. I don't know the terminology, uh, on that side of the house at all, but, uh, it's interesting. Well, you know, I don't, I don't think what you have is a freelancer necessarily. I think that there's a lot of publications that have in-house editors. If you have that kind of experience, and if you don't have that kind of experience, there are roles in staff writer. Like you don't have to start in the editor role. Cause that's something that takes years to establish yourself as, but freelancing, I think, sure. If that's, if you want to dabble in outdoor writing, but you're not yet there to the point where you can like have a full-time job doing this, that's a great place to start. And I think networking with people who are going to say either yes or no to you, either the publishers or the editors or people who are connected to a publication or a website or a blog, what you want to be published in networking is everything. And that's, that's, in every industry, but even more so in hunting or fishing, because it's people want to know that you have, number one, it's an industry that you almost have to protect yourself in and they have to protect themselves in. So they want to make sure that you're not like 
against it in some way, right? So you have to be a passionate advocate for harvesting animals, right? And you have to kind of prove that. And if I was going to give a piece of advice to somebody who hasn't, that they don't have any published clips, they don't have any published articles out there, the best thing to do would be to email the editor or the content manager or some kind of title like that associated with the place you want to get published. Email them, introduce yourself. If you don't have anything content-wise to share with them, share ideas, share what you want to do, why you want to do it. That's really important. And what skills you do have that you can apply to writing something or crafting something. It doesn't have to be an article necessarily. But um, networking is everything. I did a ton of networking. I still do a ton of networking. Joining associations such as um, your state association for outdoor writers or the national levels like POMA or OWAA, there's associations out there for people who are just beginning and they want to meet people that might open doors for them. There's, there's networking is everything. I would say that's a place to start. That's good to know. There's such a demand for, for the written word, like whether you're a publishing yeah. house or a brand, I mean, working for a PR agency by day, the, the number of brands that just, I don't want to say they struggle with content production, but whether it's video, audio, or, or words, and or photography, it's like it's constant, and the need is is colossal. And some of these brands, like they just they don't know where to go for it. They don't know how to get it, um, so they're outsourcing it, and then like, they're trying to manage manage it themselves, and it's really tricky. So, you know, but then you, you on the other side of the coin, there's however many writers looking for work too, and uh, I. I forget the Facebook group, but there is a Facebook group that has like 36,000 members. And it's like this marketplace for writers and brands and folks to kind of come together to pitch, hey, I'm looking for a writer. or Hey, I'm looking for a job. Or hey, this place is hiring. Um, if, I wish I, you might know what it's called off the top of your head. I can't think of the top of mine. Is it just for the outdoor industry? Yeah, uh, it is. I. Oh gosh, now I'm putting myself on the spot like an idiot on, on our podcast. <laughs> Go figure. I'm not sure exactly which one you're referring to, but you're right. There are a bunch of them and um, they are super helpful for they, getting people I got connected. It. It's, it's perfect. It's a great place to start. It's Basecamp is the one that I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yep. 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 And I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah, so They're that, great. It's a They're huge wonderful. community and like how exciting is that? So I know one of the, the comments that just yeah. came through was from uh, our friend John and he had said like, a number of places, you know, will accept uh, articles. You just got to start submitting your stuff is kind of what he had said. Um, so, you know, I don't, I don't want to like go too far into that topic necessarily. Um, but just, you know, for whatever it's worth, like your ability to interview us for, you know, 15, 20 minutes or however long we we're on the phone over the 4th of July weekend and to craft the story that you put together, that's impressive stuff. Like to distill someone else's story and uh, step in and like gain all this context and do all this research that stuff to me is really cool. I, like some other people can speak about the OKS Hunter brand better than we can. And I always appreciate that. <laughs> so, you know, whatever that's worth, I think that's really cool. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I definitely appreciated you making the time on the weekend for me. That was awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of time for OKS Hunter for usual <laughs> tacos. Um, so you're, you're in New York, uh, what is the hunting climate like in New York? Greg thinks it's a sleeper state. Maybe he's right. Um, but you talked about offline tracking deer. 
and we've talked to the guys over at um, North. Was it was it the Hal Blood? What are those yeah. guys? What's their brand called? Big Woods. Big Bucks. Woods Bucks. Thank you. I was going to say Northwoods Bucks. I'm like something's not jiving in my brain. That's not right. But I remember Hal Blood at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that was the first time I'd ever thought of that even being a thing that you could track, literally get track the deer to go hunt it. Super different, but in such a vast mm-hmm. landscape, I guess that's an effective way to do it. Um, did you say you're starting to do some of that stuff? I am dabbling. I am super interested in it. The landscape here lends itself really well to tracking. And like I said, we were at the base of the Adirondack Mountains, the vast swath of wilderness. And the big bucks aren't down, you know, where people are. The big bucks are, and it's not about big bucks, of course, but um, the bucks are deep into the forest, into the mountains. So tracking is a whole different thing, right? So I've done a ton of hunting from a tree stand. I've hunted from a blind on the ground and I've enjoyed that thoroughly, but now it's just time to take the next step and tracking a buck is the next step. It's a whole new monster. You're all day long on your feet. My husband is really, really into it. And I was really not so much into it at first. I was like, oh my goodness gracious. Like, why would you even do this when you can just go like sit in your ladder stand and shoot a deer and like bring it home and like it's so much easier. But it's so much fun. My brother does it and people I know do it. And just watching the passion that they have when it comes together and they've tracked a buck all day long and then they finally meet up with it. They harvest it and it's just so rewarding for them. It's a lot more work and it's just something interesting and fun i want to try it now yeah my thought is like i didn't even think it was possible like what do you mean you can track a deer and then kill it like are you yeah. kidding me you have to how i don't know greg are you ever gonna do this you've been sure. hunting the north woods a bunch you yeah i mean Derek. like are you guys gonna do a track possibly i mean if i get tired of not seeing anything in the tree stand by mid-morning and now that i had you know, eyes on the ground or boots on the ground doing some scouting. I know that area better. I'll feel much more confident and going, you know what? It's not happening, sitting around waiting for it. I'm going to go find it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, when <laughs> I was younger hunting with my uncle in the North woods, I got like permission. Yep. Go ahead. You know, your way around, go still hunt. So I see a lot of does that way, but wouldn't often see a buck to shoot at. But it was still fun to be able, if we had some snow, to be able to go out and walk around and follow those tracks and see how deer use the landscape. You just got to be so on your game in terms yep. of your senses and having a head on a swivel stopping. And I and learned pausing. I was moving way too fast. Yeah. So well, I would be if you think you're moving too fast. too fast, slow down and go slower yet. I bet. I would have a problem with that because I I can get a little impatient. Yeah. <laughs> just in general, but whatever. Um and so is that something that you have tried or you're looking to try or get more into? Like, are you going to interview the guys over I, at uh, Big Woods to... Bucks? <laughs> yeah, I would love to interview Hale if he'll talk to me. I watched his videos on YouTube and it's fascinating. Um, I've actually, I've interviewed some other um, guys over in, I think it's Vermont. It's the um, uh, Rodney Elmer and his crew. They track bucks in New England. I'm forgetting their names. It's, uh, something taxidermy, but that's what they do. And I interviewed them and they talked about it a little bit and it's just so deeply fascinating. I can't wait to try it. And I have tagged along with my husband a bit, but I've never been there when 
a buck was harvested and I've definitely never harvested a buck myself doing it. So I want to do it. I want it to be my turn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you've at least gone along, has your husband had success doing it that way? Oh yeah. Yeah. He's harvested quite a few bucks with that, doing that. He prefers that method. He doesn't like to sit still. He's very much has to be moving and doing something. That serves him well. Yeah. My, my cousin's like that. I know he listens. He, Although we're not, you know, we're like swamp hunting down here and, and stuff like that. So the approach is maybe a little bit different. Uh, I would imagine you probably have to have some snow to have any semblance of success. Snow is the number one ingredient. Yeah. If you don't have snow, I mean, are you, are you just holding out for a nice storm to come through or what? Potentially. Yeah. 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 But we, um, we get snow like sometimes in October. I mean, we always have snow by the first week of November and that lines up really well with our rut. So it's usually an absence of snow is usually not an issue here. Interesting. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool to know. So what are some, you said you've hunted out of the ground, off the ground, out of stands. Do you have like a go-to setup that is your go-to when you're not trying to, you know, track them specifically? Yeah, my favorite setup is um, we've got a lot of family property and we've got two-man ladder stands set up at um, certain areas where we know that they travel. And that's my favorite. I, I like so much being off the ground. I like having the view. I like being up with the leverage and hearing things. I feel like you can hear things coming better when you're higher. So that is my absolute favorite is to sit in the two-man ladder stand. And I can sit in the one-man, but, you know, the two-man is just so much more comfortable. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, I suppose. I, I wouldn't have uh, <laughs> considered it for that reason. It's more space. Greg would probably like that. You're a bigger guy, Greg. Yeah. What are you saying? I'm fat? <laughs> I'm <just> saying, <laughs> sometimes it's nice to get, to get a big old truck than a sports car, you oh, know? Oh, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Greg, Greg always says you know, he's an aspiring fat kid. and That's right. You know? You're in some sort of shape. <laughs> Round is a shape. That's great. You're also involved you in Artemis Sportswomen. Uh, can, can you talk about what Artemis is, who they are, what their mission is, and how you're involved with them? Yeah, definitely. So Artemis is a group. It's funded. It's an initiative by the National Wildlife Federation. And it's a group of sportswomen all across the country, there's many, many states that are represented. I represent the state of New York. And it's women who the original purpose was to um, be kind of like an advocate for conservation legislation, right? To be people, women specifically, to be knowledgeable leaders to talk about conservation. And it is still that, but also it's a way for women to be advocates for other women and to open doors for other women to get their foot in the outdoors, to learn skills that they may not have an opportunity to otherwise learn, or to just bond and network with other women who are also interested in these things. Part of my role as an Artemis Sportswoman um, ambassador is setting up events in my state of New York for women who are beginning or are interested in the outdoors to come and learn these things. So for instance, as an example, my first event for Artemis is coming up in August, and it's an outdoor skills day. And it's very similar to other Artemis events all across the nation, where it's open to women who are kind of at a beginner level, and they get opportunities to learn things like archery. So there'll be compound, compound bow clinics and recurve bow clinics. 
And then there's clinics in uh, pistol shooting or rifle shooting or shotgun shooting. And this event is going to have something, um, a session about how to tie ratchet straps. Because there's little things like that that are kind of barriers to certain women who might not have had an opportunity to learn how to tie a ratchet strap otherwise or how to stack up a boat. And those are things that hold people back from enjoying outdoor activities. So Artemis really is a way to open doors for other women. I mean, those are things that I need help with. <laughs> Not even joking. It sounds funny, but ratchet straps are a real pain point for me. You know, I often joke that I don't ratchet drive straps and old ladies or your two bugaboos and old ladies. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, if those things ever, I got it now. It's, they're never, uh, you know, they're, it's a short YouTube video away from me. You know, if the freaking like, st- it's not string. If the strap comes out of the the, me- the like the mechanical part, the you mechanism, might as well just throw it in the water. I'm like, oh my god, what do I do? But you know, now it's just oh, okay. I pull up YouTube, I thread it in this way, you know, because I always do it the wrong way, right? There's a 50 50 chance you're gonna go over versus under, <laughs> and I'm gonna do the wrong one, and then I gotta undo it. Folks, we're talking and to then, man. And then I got if, if he doesn't have a smartphone in hand, he's totally screwed at life. Oh boy! But no, so Artemis just—I had to—I had to check it out. Artemis is is a, a Greek religion just by definition, and it's the goddess of wild animals, the hunt and vegetation, and uh, the chastity of childbirth. So uh, that was identified by like the Romans. <laughs> so just I was wondering about the name. It makes sense now. So if anyone else already knew that, great that you knew that. If you didn't, now you know. It's a guy that does a thing. Listen, That's blah, blah, blah. Now Justin you know. Danger. Justin Danger. Is that his name yeah. on TikTok? You yeah. send me a lot of his videos. He's funny. Yeah. Yeah. He's funny looking. No, uh, I like his videos. Now you know. Oh, God. It's stuck in my head now. Don't do it. That's pretty cool. So you're an ambassador and out of the entire state of New York, like you're the one. That's crazy to me. So how many states are involved? Mm-hmm. Is, it all, is it most of them or is it like a, a portion? It's most of them. I think it's, um, I don't have the number handy, but most states are covered. They just released a new map, a new ambassador map on their Facebook or on their website where it's updated to all the new ambassadors that have joined the ranks. So if you look at the map, most of the states have ambassadors covering, covering it. Some states are lucky enough to have two ambassadors. They can cover different areas of the state. And some states, Maybe there wasn't somebody who fit the role there, but they do try really hard to cover most of the country so that women all over the country have opportunities. And what do you need to do to become an ambassador? Like what you have to have like some sort of, I mean, I'm assuming you have to apply or something. For you, they want a blood sample and every other kind of. First of all, I'm not a female, (laughs) but hey, today's society, it never (laughs) So it's, um. It's an application process and it's open. I think every year they take a new cohort, but it's a two year term. So Hmm. it's pretty simple. Like you, if you have an interest in doing this, you apply for it. You do an interview with them. You have to have a certain um, availability and certain interest and, you know, the ability to do um, event coordination. And then they're not at all about, um, like you have to be the best of the best. It's not about that at all. It's about um, just having the the desire to help, to like actually physically take action and do things in your home state, building a community. That's what it's about. So um, you do the application, you do the interview, and you um, are either accepted or maybe not. 
And um, then you you join this group of women and you um, we're in regular communication and we we pick each other's brain and we learn. We do they do leadership sessions where they teach us how to be advocates and things like that. It's, it's really in depth. That's good to know. I, uh, you know, so I have three kids and my firstborn, uh, much like you were the firstborn daughter. I, my daughter is our firstborn and she's going to be five in September. And she, I don't know if she'll be interested or not in hunting or what have you, but she does seem to have a, a thirst for adventure. I mean, she loves going, like she's let's going on an adventure. Like mm-hmm. I love going on adventures with dad. Let's, we, we had an adventure, like it's her thing. So honestly, like hunting to me is an adventure. And, uh, it's good to know mm-hmm. that there's organizations like this that are going to grow and flourish as she ages up. Um, I mean, that's a, a number of years away. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> they go fast. She still sleeps under my yeah, roof. And, you know, but I think that, you know, it's, it's to me, it's, uh, it's good to know that there's things like that, that, that exist and that there's a support system because you rewind what, 10, mm-hmm. 15, 20 years ago. And it, that didn't exist. You know, it's still very much a boys club, you know, to some degree, it's a lot of, a lot of dudes mm-hmm. in hunting and, and not that that's inherently bad. It's just, if, if you're a female, it just makes it trickier to navigate. And I don't want to turn this into a podcast about, you know, necessarily like what's it like being a female <laughs> hunter? Like I think a lot of folks that, that get women on their shows ask that question. I'm not, you know, I know there's challenges. In fact, who do we, who do we talk to? Um, it was Courtney uh, Nicholson mm-hmm. with sportsman's Alliance. And she's mm-hmm. like, you know what the challenging thing is about being a female hunter? is when I got to take a piss. She's like, I got to tell everybody that I'm going to go pee because it's awkward because I have to go pull my pants down and go pee somewhere. And I was like, what about the go girl? And she's like, that shit doesn't work. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> or maybe it does. I don't know. But, True, but you know, <laughs> there's a new brand of um, pants though out. I think it's called um, She Fly, where they are designed for women to be able to do that in the outdoors. And I am in no way connected to them and I have not tried them, but it might be worth a try if somebody is interested in. Cause I could see it. Like if my daughter's going to come to deer camp, you know, it is going to be mm-hmm. one of those things. Like that's not something that I'm even like used. To. I won't know how to even explain to her. Like, I don't know. It wouldn't even be in a thought to me. It wouldn't even occur mm-hmm. to me. Like, I don't know. I just pee on trees. And then I got to be like, Oh, Oh shoot. Well, you're wearing like a onesie, uh, blaze orange jumpsuit. Like it's going to be like taking a crap every time, mm-hmm. you know, for something simple, like taking a piss. You can't just stop on the road. I mean, you can, but it's just different. You know, you can't stand by the door and do it or, you know, whatever. It's just different. So there's probably a lot of things like that, that I'm not even remotely aware of that I'm going to have to prepare her for in some way, shape or because my wife doesn't hunt. Um, So that's, it's just good to know that there's communities of folks that are like coming together on this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And there are certain considerations for for women or little girls. So, yeah, it's it's a great place for us to connect and to kind of talk about those things that might be specific to us. And um, even, you know, that's a great idea. I love the little girl stuff. I should coordinate an event for little girls. That would be so cool. Or maybe an event for parents of aspiring outdoors women who should learn these things. That would be a cool event. It would be a cool event. Like if I could bring my daughter and like, what do I need to know as a parent, as a dad, you know, if, yeah. I have to imagine that this isn't true across the board, of course, and nothing is black and white, but it may be the case <laughs> that the majority of, of women learning to hunt are, are probably going to learn from their dads. That's not always the case, but if that is the case, dads are idiots <laughs> when it comes to their daughters. Like 
I don't know how to, I actually can't even put my daughter's hair in like a ponytail. I'm that pathetic when it comes to that stuff. Now I can do a lot of other stuff with my daughter, but certain things like, I'm like, yeah, honey, I'm not going to, I can do it, but it's not going to be like mom does, you know? And uh, she's like, oh, dad, you know? So that's interesting. There's just interesting (laughs) things. Um, Our friend Mm -hmm. Steph just commented and said, my dad just told me I couldn't pee. So I learned to hold it for quite some time. That's what I'm talking about. Look at that. That's totally your your dad told you the same thing. Yes, hold it. Mm-hmm. Why don't you hold it? Mm-hmm. What the hell? Yeah, my, we're out to the restaurant. I'm yeah, like, movies. My daughter's gotta go know. pee. It's like, yeah, let's get let's take get you to the bathroom. I mean, if you're outside, it's like there's a bathroom everywhere. Yeah. And there's a reason she couldn't pee somewhere she wants. We were on a hike, and I'm gonna tell a small story <laughs> with with our kids. We got three of them, and my son's two, my daughter's four, and my other son's one. And, and we're on this hike, and you know, my son's diaper, my two-year-old, it just filled all the way up. You know, it was, it was gross. So we, first trash can we came across, mm-hmm. so like, let's just get this thing off. We're on a hike. We don't have our diaper bag. You know, we're not like super prepared. We didn't even consider this. So then we're like, well, whatever. He can just kind of no diaper at the rest of the way in his shorts and walk back to the car and we'll get a diaper back on him. Well, lo and behold, on the walk, he's like, hey, daddy, I got to go pee. I'm like, all right, well, there's trees everywhere. Let it rip, buddy. And so his first ever potty <laughs> training experience ever was a tree. I'm like, this might be bad. Because he might not know that he's he should go to the toilet. Neighborhood, yeah, pissing on trees. Neighbor's trees. But, you know, it's uh, it's uh, whatever. I'm not meaning to get hung up on the pissing topic for for far too long here. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a shirt my buddy had when we were growing up uh, in like high school, and it said, "If a tree is a designated potty stop, you might be a youper." Nice. Yeah, yeah. Or or maybe from New York. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. So what kind of hunting stories do you have? Do you have like some, some moments that you're willing to share with us that might humble you a little bit? Oh yeah, for sure. So, um, I was thinking about this a little bit, um, and I have one specific perfect okayest moment to share with you guys. So this happened a couple years ago, I, I think maybe three or four years ago, probably three years ago, three seasons ago. And it was, um, hunting season it was rifle season and I was hunting with my dad and I had just gotten to um my two-man ladder stand and it was early morning it was you know right before the sun came up so cold and wanted to get in wanted to settle in whatever so I get to my um my stand I I've got a savage a 243 that I hunt with and it's got a clip that you keep the ammunition in a little magazine that's separate and then part of the process is you get into your stand and you put your clip in and then you, it's a bolt action. So you, you make the motion and you put the cartridge in the chamber so that you're ready to go when a deer comes. All you got to do is take off your safety, square up and shoot. So for whatever reason, this particular morning, I was either rushed or distracted or who knows what, but I got in my tree stand, got settled in, put my clip in and then forgot to follow through with that. So I'm sitting there about an hour or two later and I'm hearing all these footsteps come around the back and I can tell it's a deer and I'm super excited and I'm waiting and I kind of turn my head and I can see that it's not just one deer, it's a, a group of four does and there's one big doe, like she's nice. And I decide that that's the one I'm going to go for. I'm, I have a doe tag, it's all good. So I, I'm excited. I get up, I make my motion, I swing my gun around and uh, take my safety off. And I, I pull my trigger and nothing happened. It was like the weirdest thing in the world. 
nothing happened except for I made a ton of noise and movement. She saw me and she was out. <laughs> so I didn't know what the heck was going on. So I was like, okay, check my gun. And I had never put the, um, the cartridge in the chamber. So there was nothing to shoot with. It was useless to me. So I was devastated, embarrassed. My dad was like, oh my goodness, what in the world is, well, how do you do that? Um, you probably had to pee horrible. really bad. It was a huge, <laughs> horrible fail. You probably had to pee really awful. bad, so you forgot to rack around. It's your fault, Dad. You told me not to go to the bathroom. I yeah, couldn't focus. Oh, horrible. And I was just so down about this. And then a couple weeks later, um, I was in the exact same spot. It was colder then. The snow had come. I think it was like November. And somehow, by the grace of God, the same sort of situation happened, except for the school or the group of um so came around the other side they were further away but they came this time i was prepared like that is never gonna happen to me again and i ended up harvesting that big beautiful dough but oh my goodness gracious like i am still to this day like not have not lived that down in my family like they are like did you put the chamber or the cartridge in the chamber because that's important because it's important (laughs) Yeah, that's yeah, my moment. We all yeah. <laughs> I'll never get uh stop. So me and my dad both get shit from all of my buddies because one year my dad uh forgot his rifle in the woods, and then the next year I did the same thing. And so it's oh, like a Clark God. thing apparently now is what they say. And uh, you know, I can't get my dad crap because <laughs> you know I did it and he can't give me crap because he did it. So we just both get crap for the same thing, which is you know, the rules change so much. You used to be able to like put your gun on your, you weren't allowed to put it against your vehicle than you were. So we just are like, well, we still trained to not do that. And I, I get confused. So I'm like, yeah, when mm-hmm. I don't, just don't put it on my car. I, I don't know what to do. I don't want to get in trouble. So it was one of those. We dragged the deer out and, and uh, yeah, left the gun on the wolf, uh, right, leaning on the tree right there. Luckily, it was it was there when we came back, which I think someone shared a story <laughs> with, with us. And that wasn't the case. They came back and it was yeah, gone. John, John yeah. did that same thing. So that's awful. Um, Dragging a deer out, are like if your dad isn't around, are you are you dragging the deer out by yourself? As far as I can, yes. And sometimes, like even if he's there, he like you shot this, like you gotta do this, like this is like your deer. But um, oftentimes, like we're pretty far back, so like I'm not gonna have to usually drag it the entire way i'm really lucky that i've got people i can call and they can kind of like i can pull some they can come help either they can bring a four-wheeler or whatever so like i have people who do the same stuff and they love to hunt and stuff and we all do that for each other it's not like because i'm like a woman they come to help me if my brother shoots a deer we're there just the same if my husband shoots a deer we're there just the same if my dad shoots a deer like nobody's dragging them out on their own like we're all working together to make this stuff happen so um we just it's teamwork yeah that's good to hear i mean that's not too dissimilar from any, anyone else i'm like or i get a deer i go help i get a deer he comes help or someone's gonna help or my buddy joel will do the whole thing because he's a yeah. psycho uh, and he likes pain or something i'm not sure i'm like you really want to drag my deer the whole way i'm like i guess <laughs> i'm not gonna stop you <laughs> like, okay go ahead buddy sounds yeah. good to me i should probably stop letting him do that he's gonna bum me yeah but yeah i mean i think the one that you got uh who came to help you with the buck last year my brother-in-law he's usually there for he wants to be there he loves watching that stuff he doesn't hunt but he loves tracking and loves being out there Mm -hmm. to see what's going on yeah and i helped you with i don't know one or two of them or something Mm -hmm. 
or at least carrying the bow or, you know, you do something, something to just help people. You yep. know, my dad too, like, let me carry all your crap and you can. You well, know, we're in a digital deer. world. It's always good to be there to help take pictures too. Yeah. That's a good point. Get that, get that grip and grin <laughs> and, and all that stuff. Um, I was just wondering if you had any tips on how to drag a deer because they're heavy. I'm not saying I'm not capable. <laughs> I don't know that I have tips necessarily. I, I guess um, I'm kind of short. And they're kind of heavy. So, like, I would say just keep your weight low and, you know, don't hurt yourself. Um, but, no, I, I don't have any, like, special insider <laughs> tips on how to pull a deer. But, um, yeah, I just we just work together. Yeah. Greg, Greg brings a sled. I know uh, a buddy of mine in the past, he, oh. you know, he would, like, uh, take – he would slit – I don't know what it was, but there was, like, some fur or skin uh, – along like up like on the legs mm-hmm. and he would put a slit through that with his knife and then put a nice stick through there and then it gives you a handle for like a doe drag if it's oh, a big yep. doe yep. you have to go quite some ways because a, a buck small or not like you have a handle to hold on to um if it's super big it's going to poke you a bunch mm-hmm. maybe but if it's a doe it's kind of like shoot it's it, it, the first slippery if you're just going to drag it by its legs it's kind of like man it keeps slipping you know so it's nice to have that stick yeah. if that's something you've ever done i don't know if anyone else has ever done that or not but I thought it was a pretty neat trick. Yeah, we've done that. Yeah, for sure it is. Definitely. Yeah, and it's great to have even um, to split the work. You know, it's not hands-on texting, but not only that, those moments after a buck or a doe are harvested and you're taking care of all the things that have to be done after that, those are some of the best moments of hunting. And it's enjoyable to have people that you care about there to experience that with you. It's such a good feeling. And it's, a lot of the memories are made in those moments. Yep. Free to prowl, uh, Adam. Cuffin just said camaraderie around the kill is one of the coolest parts. And that's one of those Certainly. things where like, as soon as someone gets one, you're like, man, I'm bored sitting here. I'm going to go check out the deer you just got. Like I'm leaving my spot immediately unless there's some action. Like, cause you, you want to be part of that. It's so exciting. I don't know what it is, especially if it's like a new hunter, like you, then you're, you have to be there for them. Like it's so exciting. And then you, it's really great to watch a new hunter. Like, no, no, you're gutting it and dragging it. <laughs> <laughs> like you're almost, almost like a crucible like nah nah you're gonna get punished for this this is what this is where the work starts i know my buddy clayton that listens he'll he'll uh he knows what i'm talking about with that for sure <laughs> so what are you looking forward to for this season yeah, any any part. big writing uh you know opportunities uh meetups or just general hunting stuff that you're excited about uh, well, lots of stuff i mean it's it's um there's a lot of really cool things going on in in my network. I'm gonna go to um the uh, Association of Great Lakes Outdoor Writers Conference in uh, Branson, Missouri, in September. Really, really looking forward to that. Really looking forward to the conference of my own group of New York State Outdoor Writers this um, autumn. That one's in October. Um, I'm looking forward to all these events. We've got playing with Artemis and networking with other women and just making connections. Um, looking forward to simply hunting, like hunting season. And this year, you know, what I'm most excited about, my little girl, she was three last year. This year, she's four. And last year, she decided that she wanted to hunt with mommy and daddy. So she went for her very first time. She sat in a blind. This year, she's even more into it. She plays hunting in the backyard and she's got her own little with her inflatable deer target and she's really into it and my i'm really just looking forward to having her out there with me and just enjoying that with her that's awesome that's a really exciting thing i'm excited for that too as my kids age up and 
if they show interest and so forth. We do have a caller, by the way. Um, so I'm going to bring our caller in. We got Steph Lane out of Iowa. Uh, Steph, you're live on the show. Thanks for calling in. I know I pinged you, so I'm glad you were able to, to make some time. Are you still on your death walk? Um, no, death walk is over. Thank goodness. <laughs> good. It's so hot here today. I am in crap service, so I hope you guys can hear me okay. And I took a second to call in because my coon hound has been howling at me and following me around like a shadow. And it's just been kind of a crazy, <clears throat> kind of a crazy evening. Um, but I just, I wanted to call and introduce myself and say hi to Megan because I, I'm excited to, I've been listening to the podcast as much as I, as I've, I've, I can't talk as I've had service today. And um, Megan, we're Instagram friends. Not that that means anything, but um, I actually am helping out an Artemis event this September in Tennessee. And I've had Marsha Brownlee on my podcast before. So I'm a big Artemis fan. And I love, I love the work that you guys are doing. Super supportive of it. Oh, this is exciting. It's so great to meet you. This is so awesome. You have to DM me on Instagram so I know exactly who you are so we can like chat. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely will. I would, I would love to do that. And I've uh, started writing myself. So I missed a few minutes of uh, the beginning of the podcast, but something I was curious about, if you had any advice for, uh, I have started to write for a couple hunting magazines and a couple blogs, and that's been really good, but with as busy as I am, it's been kind of hard to manage. Uh, but I have been in contact with some of my Kansas friends who are part of like an outdoor writers association. And from what I've found, Iowa doesn't really have one. I live in Iowa and mm -hmm. I've been encouraged to possibly kind of start one, which I love the idea of, but with how my schedule is, it might just be really hard for me to put a lot into. Do you have any experience with that or like resources that if someone wants to start an association in their state, maybe what they what they could do about that? Um, I don't have any experience starting it, but um, I would definitely say that it's something that you're interested in. You should get a hold of people who have done that, and I could connect you to some people. I know some people. But additionally, beyond like starting one at your local level, what might be a really great thing is just joining one at the national level because you might find people. I found people. I joined the um, Outdoor Writers Association of America and that's not even in my home state, but I connected with people in my home state through the national organization. And the same thing with like regional ones. I know there's a Southeastern Outdoor Press one, which I'm a member of, and I'm not even in that region. And the same with the Great Lakes. I'm a member of that one, and I'm not based there. I'm based in New York. So um, if you don't have the time to devote to like lifting something so heavy, like making this organization from the ground up, I would say devote the time that you do have to those other networks and those other associations because for your career it's going to do just as much yeah no i love that i um that's kind of what i probably needed to hear <laughs> to not put any extra on my plate <laughs> but still be involved because i really like to and i think not knowing many writers like locally or having i'm starting to have a good like network of them now but um you know, even having a podcast myself being, you know, I, I help teach women's classes as well. Like networks, everything like that community and support oh, yeah. everything. So I'm totally with you on that. But I mostly wanted just to say like, thanks for what you're doing. And I'm super supportive of what you're doing and wanted to introduce myself. 
Thanks for oh, calling thank in. Thank you so much for calling. This is so exciting for me. It was so awesome to meet you. Yeah, you too. Well, hi guys. Yeah, go take care of hound dogs and, <laughs> and have a good night. And thanks for calling in. We appreciate it. We'll have to get you back on as a guest sooner and later here. Um, I think been on. It's been a while, <laughs> but yeah, have a good night. Take care of yourself. Thanks, guys. <laughs> you too. It's always fun to get callers. We haven't had a caller in a little while, but I think we'll get more as hunting season starts to approach and people get more excited. We're seeing more activity on social and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite a bit more actually when it's not even August yet. So. I feel like it's going to be a busy year, busy season. We'll find out. Are you hanging any trail cameras or anything like that, Megan? Um, you know, I personally have not put my feet on the ground to do it, but I have an amazing devoted husband who has put out like 20 and we've got the apps where you can, uh, they come to our phone. So we have, a huge network out there kind of monitoring the area and um, we're seeing some cool stuff. We're seeing bucks here and there. We're seeing really cool pictures of bears doing crazy stuff. And um, yeah, so we do have some cameras out and we are um, checking out what's, what's going on around us. It's pretty cool. It's fun to see just the wildlife and, and nature in yeah. general. I mean, anytime an animal shows up, yeah. camera, it's like, Oh, cool. Look at that. You know, it's a bear, you know, it's not what you want to see when you're looking for deer. Cause you're like, yeah, it's cool to see, but uh, yeah, I don't want that around here. Yeah. It means it's probably not that many deer coming in. Yeah. It'd be cool to hunt a bear too, though. Yeah. What's it? What's it like to get a bear tag in New York? Oh, it's easy. It's super simple. Like you just once you take the hunter um, course, you just can. It's an option every year. Really? Like I get a bear tag every year. I've just never seen a bear in the woods. Oh my gosh! The bear tag process in Wisconsin does not seem easy. You got to wait for a long time, or you got to put in points. Oh. You got to you got to keep applying anywhere from four to seven years to get. Oh, years? oh yeah. my goodness. Depending on what unit you're looking at. Do you apply, Greg? Yeah. Have you gotten one? Got four four points towards a, a tag. So then when can you like put in for the tag? How does that possibly next year? And I'm assuming you would. No, I'm gonna hold off and wait a few more years and get a few more points accrued for a better unit. Ah, uh, okay. So it's similar to like the elk stuff. Yep. Interesting. And what would you I mean, would you Use the, I'm assuming you'd use like bear grease and you'd cook it oh, up. Yeah. I've heard it's actually pretty good. Yeah. You just got to, you just got to cook it all the way through. Otherwise you got to worry about getting trichnosis and that's not, not anything to mess with. Uh, yeah. Seeing as I've only heard that term it's ever. just like pork. You have to cook it all the way through. It's got to be cooked done. Probably some good on a smoker, I bet. Yeah. There's a lot of ways to, to cook bear. You don't say. You don't say. <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty. That's cool. Megan, uh, how do people like, you know, I don't want to bombard you, not that we have that many listeners, but I don't want to bar- bombard you with people that, you know, are going to reach out to you for no, like, reason other than, uh, you know, what, how, what would be a good reason to reach out to you? Where should people get in contact with you? How can they follow along with your journey in the outdoor space and, and things like that? Yeah, so um, the best way to get a hold of me is either Instagram, and I'm at Megan Fleet Postal, Postal's with an O, or um, if they just want to follow along on the journey or they want to send me, um, messages when I pick up my first stuff or you want to work together in either um, some kind of an article format, whether you have a cool story that you would like to share or you would like me to do a story for you that's um, get on me that way. Or if you want to work together or have ideas for me for Artemis events, that would be awesome too. And then additionally, LinkedIn is a great way to get a hold of me, especially if it's for um, 
more work-related stuff. But either way, um, Instagram, LinkedIn, I'm pretty active there. They have so joined the ranks. So if you look at the map. Sorry, I might have just goofed something up. Can you hear me still? I can, yeah. Okay, my bad. That was my bad. Uh, that's good to... <laughs> no, that's great. That's exactly what I was looking for is how can people get in touch? What's a good reason to get in touch? You're not getting people like, I have a story, but you're like, not really... You know what? What qualifies? What would you, what would you say qualifies for like uh, a story that's you know capable of making its round uh, to to your caliber there? Um, you know, it's hard to say because most people. I mean, I, I don't want to say everybody has a story, and there are so many stories that are worth telling that some people might not even realize that they have a great story. But some of the things I would say are almost a bit. Um, overdone or hard to articulate uniquely are like first stories like my first year you know and I went with grandma and I shot a deer and that's the end of the story but everybody's got something interesting they got either an angle um, the best stories are from whatever is that deep kind of human connection to hunting, if we can pull that out and figure out how that's relevant, like how that's universal, those make great stories. Um, so I'm not going to say there's anything that's really like, don't contact me because there's a, there's a lot of really good um, stories out there, juicy stuff that just needs, needs to be refined. No, that's good. That's good to know. I mean, you know, again, we don't actually think everyone everyone probably does have a story. Is it story worthy or newsworthy or what have you like uh, potentially, but you, you mentioned the word angle and that's something that I hear a lot in, uh, you know, journalism, so to speak is like, well, what's the angle here, you know? And it's maybe, you know, when I think of business, it's like, how do we, mm -hmm. how are we different rather than better? Like, how can you do something, you know, different? And uh, that's a good way to think about yeah. it, I think. So no, thanks for, for hanging out with us on the show. We appreciate your time. Uh, your, your mom, your wife, your hunter, your writer, you have a busy life going on in New York. So, uh, it means a lot to us to take time out of your, yeah. your schedule to hang out with us. Um, with that, we're going to end the live broadcast. And, uh, as you all know, this will be produced tonight, the same night that we record. So for those that are listening in a podcast land, if you want to catch the show live to be able to comment in, call in like Steph did, uh, and participate in a two-way dialogue, we broadcast live on Tuesdays from 6 PM to 7 PM central standard time. Uh, usually six-ish pending an audio issue and usually seven-ish pending, you know, call-ins and, and just topic stuff in general. But um, that's the gist of it. And then we produce the same night. So you can expect to hear the show uh, at some point on a Tuesday night, but definitely by Wednesday morning. So we try to get the shows produced before I put the kids to bed. And uh, yeah, that's it. So thanks everybody for listening this week and uh, we'll, we'll catch you next week.